Homage to the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha. Today we're looking at the Kaladana Sutta, and this is all on timely giving. And we've referenced this sutta a number of times, so it's good to look at this a little closer. So the Buddha says, because there are these five timely gifts. What five? One, one gives to a visitor. Two, one gives to one setting out on a journey. Three, one gives to a patient. Four, one gives during a famine. And five, one first presents the newly harvested crops and fruits to the virtuous ones. So with the first one where we give to a visitor or guest, this is usually around avasamacharyam. So we are overcoming our stinginess towards our dwelling and our gains potentially as well. So when someone comes to visit us, stay with us, we have the opportunity to share everything that we have in our home. It's like saying, my house is your house. Come and use whatever it is. It could be the space in our home. It could be our personal belongings. So there's something quite wonderful when you're able to do that without restriction, without boundaries and without regret. The second one about giving to one who is setting out on a journey, usually a journey entails some difficulty. So difficulty in terms of the effort it takes, the endurance it takes to go on a journey. So when we give something that is useful to that journey, that is a timely gift. The third is one gives to a patient. So as we know, there is difficulty for the person who is sick. Often it is hard to help someone out in difficult times. And when you know that that person is a sick person going through physical pain or suffering, then if one is able to give medicine, give support, give help, assistance, give medical care, kindness, all those sorts of things, then that is considered a timely gift. And then four, one gives during a famine. This one is most evident that during a time of famine, normally people hoard out of fear and keep their belongings and their gains very close to them. The natural thing is to protect what is yours rather than to share. And so during a famine or a food crisis or a shortage, this is the time where it is a very timely gift to give from your garden if you grow food to give from your stores if you have some food, to give some money when someone is actually enduring great hardship. So you can imagine that this is a very timely gift. And then the last one is when you have newly harvested crops and fruits, to give that to virtuous ones. And I think this is very much when you have the gain from your harvest and giving the first of your harvest, the best of your harvest to virtuous ones. That's a very timely gift because most naturally you want to get it to market, you want to sell it and get the best price. But instead of doing that, you give the first of your harvest to the virtuous ones. There is much merit in that. So these are the five timely gifts that the Buddha talks about. It's good to contemplate it because sometimes there's more than initially what we think. The question to ask is, why does the Buddha call this a timely gift? What is being overcome from the point of view of stinginess or selfishness or meanness? And is there something in doing this that reduces the amount of craving that we have, that opens our heart to people? And what is the mindset that one wants to have? And with timely gifts, 
you never want to have regrets about giving these things. In all cases, you never want to regret any type of giving because, as we know from the suttas, if you give and then you regret, then it's almost like you make merit and then you make demerit. So these are the things that one can contemplate when looking at these five timely gifts. The Buddha then says, at the proper time, those wise, charitable and generous folk give a timely gift to the noble ones who are stable and upright, given with a clear mind once offering is vast. Those who rejoice in such deeds or who provide other service do not miss out on the offering. They too partake of the merit. Therefore, with a non-regressing mind, one should give a gift where it yields great fruit. Merits are the support of living beings when they arise in the other world. So this is very important information for us to know that there are timely gifts. If you look at coming out of a period of sickness in the world, then you know if you have offered medicine, if you have offered medical care, if you have offered support, that is a timely gift. And same with where the world is at now, where we're facing food crisis, food shortages, maybe even famine, then you know this is the time that it is a timely gift. And what the Buddha is saying in any of these five situations, one's offering, when, you, when it's given with clear mind, then the offering is vast. And anyone who endorses that kind of giving, if you have friends, family members, people you know, who are giving during these particular times, then you know that if you anamodana, if you rejoice and endorse their giving, then you also partake of that merit. And so it's very good to be joyful about another person's opportunity to give, particularly these five different things that the Buddha talks about. And so there are a number of things that we can go through as part of looking at this, this sutta where it talks about a timely gift to noble ones because they're stable and upright. It talks about when we give with that clear mind, then the offering is also vast if it's a timely gift. And it also talks about yielding great fruit, which we've talked about before. So let's delve a little deeper into this. It's always good to cross-reference different teachings of the Buddha. And so when it comes to a timely gift, the Buddha makes reference to this in a number of suttas. One of them is the Sapurasadana Sutta, and this is Anguttarikaya Chapter 5, Discourse Number 148. And in this particular sutta, the Buddha talks about five gifts of a good person. The first is giving out of conviction. So this relates to sadda. Uh, the second is giving respectfully. The third is giving a timely gift. The fourth is giving unreservedly. And the fifth is giving with a view about the returns of giving. And so in each of these cases, the result of that gift, wherever it is produced, one becomes wealthy with great wealth and property. And then there are specific endowments, you could say. So in relation to giving with conviction, one is endowed with handsomeness, attractiveness, grace, possessing supreme beauty of complexion. And then if you give respectfully, the result is that those that are in your life, whether it's your partner, your children, your helpers, your workers, they end up being quite obedient to you, lending an ear and applying themselves to understand what you say. So in many ways, if you give out of respect, then what you can be endowed with in the future is 
respect from others. And then in relation to giving a timely gift, what the Buddha says is that one can reap the benefit of timely benefits coming to you in abundance. So that kind of makes sense as well. The fourth one where you give unreservedly, what you're endowed with is a mind inclined to the enjoyment of the five kinds of fine sensual pleasures. Because you have very little stinginess, because when you give unreservedly, you're very open-hearted, you are open-handed in how you give and you don't hold back and you probably give the best as well. And so in that way, in future, you can enjoy, you can enjoy what comes to you in terms of the five kinds of sensual pleasures. And then the fifth one, you give with a view about the returns of giving. So what you are additionally endowed with is no damage comes to your property from any source. So whether it's fire, floods, kings, thieves, or displeasing heirs. So there's something about this fifth one where you have the right view around giving. And so you're giving with that right view. And when that happens, there's an extra protection or safety in terms of your property, wealth, and riches. So these are the five gifts of a good person and the blessings of that. There is another Sapurisadana Sutta. This is Ankutunikaya chapter 8, discourse number 37. So we get a longer list of gifts of a good person. And in this case, there's eight gifts. And the first is gives what is pure. Two is gives what is excellent. Three gives a timely gift. Four gives what is allowable. Five gives after investigation. Six gives often or frequently. Seven while giving one settles one's mind in confidence and eight having given is elated or enraptured or with an uplifted mind. So the Buddha goes on to say one gives what is pure and excellent allowable drinks and food at the proper time gives gifts often to fertile fields of merit to those who lead the spiritual life. One does not feel regret having given away many material things. Those with deep insight praise the gifts given in this way. Having practiced charity with a mind freely generous, one intelligent and wise, rich in conviction, is reborn in a pleasant, unafflicted world. So again, when you look at this list, it's a very useful list because it makes us look at how we can refine how we give. And of course, there are blessings of giving in this way. And I guess when you look at this list, you know that you give the best of what you have, that you're willing to give, and you give it in a timely way and you give what is allowable as well. Particularly if someone is a monastic, then you give only allowables. And the one about giving after investigation, I think there's a discernment in how you give. An example could be when you want to offer lodging to a monastic. Sometimes what you need to know is whether it's a suitable type of offering. Is it too lavish? or is it too simple? Usually the one about being too lavish is something, particularly for someone who is in training, that you don't want to overindulge them when they're practicing renunciation. You, you kind of discern what is an appropriate gift. And same with the investigation, when you're looking at something that you want to give, you need to know that it is appropriate, that it is not going to disturb the person that you're giving it to that it draws them away from the spiritual path. I think that's probably one of the main important things. And then being able to give frequently, that's something that really helps to lift the mind. If you notice, if you take a break from giving, even if it's simple giving in daily life, 
the mind can get quite heavy. Whereas if you regularly give, the mind gets uplifted. And so that leads on to number seven, which is giving with a mind that is settled in confidence. This one's really quite important because there are times when you're in the process of giving, even alms giving, and the mind gets disturbed with defilements. It complains, it gets angry, it gets resentful, it gets competitive. All kinds of things can enter the mind. And it's really important to ensure that the mind is settled as you as you give. Giving is something that begins quite early on. Like when you plan to give something, that is already part of the giving process. And then as you prepare and then as you serve and give and offer, there's a, a long process in the act of giving. It's very important to settle your mind that you're happy to give, that you're confident in giving. And that leads on to the, having the right view about it as well. Sometimes when you reflect with gratitude, gratitude to the Buddha, gratitude to the noble Arahants, gratitude to the teachers, basically anything that helps to compel the mind away from defilements. And so having given, what is really important about this eighth one is that there are no regrets. That you don't think, oh, I wish I hadn't done that, or I've given too much, or something like that. If you remember from some of the suttas that we've looked at, if you have regrets, this is not a good thing. It can actually lead to demerit. So you've made all this good merit, and then when you regret, you basically minus off the positive. When the Buddha says, having given, you're elated, that means you're joyful, you have no regrets. The mind is lifted up, it's not starting to sink. So this is a very important part of knowing how to give. Let's now look at the Dana Sutta. This is in Itivutaka number 26. Because if beings knew, as I know, the result of giving and sharing, they would not eat without having given, nor would they allow the stain of meanness to obsess them and take root in their minds. Even if it were their last morsel, their last mouthful, they would not eat without having shared it, if there were someone to share it with. But, because, as beings do not know, as I know, the result of giving and sharing, they eat without having given, and the stain of meanness obsesses them and takes root in their minds. If beings only knew, so said the great sage, how the result of sharing is of such great fruit, with a gladdened mind, rid of the stain of meanness, they would duly give to noble ones who make what is given fruitful. Having given much food as offerings to those worthy of offerings, the donors go to heaven on departing the human state. Having gone to heaven, they rejoice, and enjoying pleasures there, the unselfish experience, the result of generously sharing with others. So the meanness that the Buddha is talking about here is the stain of stinginess or selfishness. So we've spoken about that before, acharya. And the Buddha is reminding us and encouraging us to make sure that we share before we eat to share. So if you have people that live with you, it's important not to eat alone. It's important to share. If you have domestic helpers, it's important also to share with them. And not always to share the leftovers, but also share the good things that you are able to, to buy and have. And even more than that, the Buddha is reminding us to give to the noble ones, because when we give to noble ones, they make the offering fruitful. And so what we're going to look at is, what does the Buddha mean by noble ones? Who is worthy of offerings? And to really make it very clear in our minds. 
So there's a couple of things here that are very important to not allow stinginess to take hold. And that is why we share. So if you notice, the less you have boundaries on who you share with, it could be animals as well, stray animals, it could be birds, it could be all kinds of living beings that if there is someone who is going hungry, you share. And if you have the capacity to share, you share. That is also why when you eat, it's very good to eat with gratitude, to give thanks to all those who have participated in the process of getting the food to the table, the insects that pollinate the food, all the way to the farmers and the distributors and the middle people and the shops and the shop workers and the people that are buying the food in the household, the people that are preparing the food, cooking the food, so on and so forth. So in that way, one becomes more blameless in terms of our dependency on that food process. Let's now look at who is worthy of offerings. If we go to the Ahuneya Sutta, this is Angotunekaya chapter 9, discourse number 10. And the Buddha talks about nine persons who are worthy of gifts, worthy of hospitality, worthy of offerings, worthy of reverential salutation or anjali, and an unsurpassed field of merit for the world. The nine are the arahant and the one practicing for arahantship, uh, the non-returner, the one practicing for realization of the fruit of non-returning, the once returner, the one practicing for realization of the fruit of once returning, the stream enterer, the one practicing for the realization of the fruit of stream entry and the clan member. The last one is really one who hasn't attained stream entry, but they've changed their lineage. They're on the path. So when you look at this list, predominantly it is those with Magapala, those with path and fruit and with the exception of the ninth one. And if you wanted to add to this list, you could also add the Tathagata, so the perfectly enlightened one. So that makes it quite clear that when you offer gifts, timely gifts, to ones who are worthy of offerings, then the merit is vast. And you can understand why, because all these people on the list, they're actually leaning towards Nibbana if they have not already attained Nibbana, in, in the case of the, the Arahant. If you remember the Velama Sutta, this is what the Buddha teaches in terms of giving us this understanding about what is most fruitful. And so he was giving this story about the Brahmin named Velama, and he had given this immense offering. So it was considered to be a very great offering, which was 84,000 gold bowls filled with silver, the same amount of silver bowls filled with gold, the same amount of bronze bowls filled with gold coins, the same amount of elephants with gold adornments and banners covered with gold netting, the same amount of chariots upholstered with the hide of lions, tigers and leopards, and cream rugs with gold adornments and banners covered with gold netting, and then the same amount of milk cows with silken reins and bronze pails, and the same amount of maidens bedecked with bejeweled earrings, and the same amount of couches spread with woolen covers shag piled pure white and embroidered with flowers and spread with fine deer hide with canopies above and red pillows at both ends so then 8.4 billion fine cloths of linen cotton silk and wool 
and an abundance of, of food, drinks, snacks, meals, refreshments and beverages. So it seemed like this overflowing river. So this is what the Buddha was saying. And then the Buddha's teaching gives you this indication that it's more fruitful to feed one person with right view. So in this case, this would be a stream enterer because this is the person that has attained the eye of the Dhamma. And more fruitful than that is to feed a once returner. More fruitful than that is to feed a non-returner, an anagami. And then more fruitful than that is to feed one arahant, so one who's enlightened. And then more fruitful than that is to feed a pacheka buddha. More fruitful than that is to feed the tathagata. More fruitful than that is to feed the sangha of bhikkhus headed by the buddha. And then more fruitful than that is to build a dwelling dedicated to the sangha of the four quarters. And then more fruitful than that is to have a mind of confidence to go for refuge in the Buddha Dhamma Sangha. And then more fruitful than that is to undertake the training precepts or rules. And more fruitful than that is to develop a mind of loving kindness, even for the time it takes to pull a cow's udder. And then more fruitful than that, so the most fruitful is to develop the perception of anicca, impermanence, just for the time of a finger snap. And so you get the hierarchy of giving what is most fruitful. And so therefore you, you really see that those that have path and fruit, and it can be a lay person as well as a monastic. It's a very interesting sutta to contemplate, this Vilama Sutta. It makes you really think about what is most fruitful. We can end our session here. There's much for us to contemplate and reflect on much to be encouraged by from the Buddha's words and also much for us to contemplate in terms of fruitful giving, timely giving and giving in the right way. So during this time where the world is going through a lot of upheaval, these are very important reminders, very important things that if we do it correctly, then the merit that would lend itself as support to our path and practice can be quite vast. So let's share the merit with all sentient beings. May all beings be happy and well. May all beings be free from suffering. Blessings of the Triple Gem, wishing you well. Teruan Saranai.